Well, thank you so much, Shannon, for joining me today. Super excited to talk about this nonprofit tech space, which is very, very interesting uh, to me. I've seen, I've talked to so many businesses around the world and um, a few nonprofits. And now I'm, I'm talking to more and more nonprofits as you know, tech sort of enters their world a little bit, embeds itself and creates these unique um, nonprofit models and, and unique options for, for the marketplace and, and a unique way for nonprofits to now scale, which has been a um, maybe a difficult past in, path in the past. So I'm excited to talk about Fast Forward and everything that they're doing for tech nonprofits. But before we get into that, talk about your journey. You've already done some amazing things uh, on your journey so far. So, so talk a little bit about your path before Fast Forward. Thank you, Grant. And thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here talking to you. This is an issue that I'm deeply passionate about. And like you say, I, I got here in a roundabout way. My first nonprofit startup is called the Burns Institute. I helped start it coming out of college, and it's a juvenile justice reform consulting firm where we work with institutions that would otherwise put kids behind bars and help them think about alternatives to incarceration. And it was, you know, the early 2000s, and so nonprofit consulting as an idea was kind of new, mm -hmm. and we had to figure out a business model that made sense and figure out partners that made sense, and I was lucky enough to work with somebody, James Bell, who let me play in that sandbox, even though I was, you know, in my early 20s and figuring out a lot of things. And that organization is thriving. It's run by a actually co-executive director team, uh, and they're just doing amazing work in the world today still. And then amazing. after that, I went and helped start a women's fund. Um, it was called Spark. And in many ways, it was an early tech nonprofit. It was 2007, and we had a PayPal account and a wiki. And that's <laughs> yeah. how we made all grant-making decisions. So imagine a totally decentralized giving circle. Um, and it was so fun and so hard. We struggled to find donors that understood our model. We struggled to communicate our org structure to people who hadn't ever been exposed to tech before. It was really challenging. And just to put it in perspective, like the word crowdfunding hadn't been coined yet. Sure. But that's what we were doing. We were taking $25 gifts, $50 gifts in aggregate with thousands of people and distributing it to women's organizations around the world. I loved that experience and I learned a lot, sometimes the hard way. Yeah. And so when Kevin Barenblatt, my co-founder here at Fast Forward, approached me about the idea of an accelerator for tech nonprofits, I was really excited because there yeah. was so much that I was missing in both the experience at Burns Institute and at Spark that I thought, you know, new founders don't have to learn this again. We can take the experience and the struggles of being an early founder and let them make new and different mistakes. So what is Fast Forward? If you had to, you know, when somebody asks you what what does it do or, or what do you do, how do you explain fast forward to them other than, you know, you could say it's a nonprofit tech accelerator, but what, I guess, what all goes into that and sort of what is the mission and vision of it? In our world today, we're facing a myriad of problems at an unprecedented scale from education to health to climate. The problems we face are really big and to solve them at scale we're going to need technology. Mm -hmm. It's really the only tool that's ever been leveraged to address the, this many people at one given time. And there is a system to starting, launching, and scaling 
tech companies. It's worked really well in Silicon Valley. Yeah. Uh, and so what we were doing, what we do at Fast Forward, it was basically take a page out of the Silicon Valley playbook and apply it to nonprofits. The reason we work with nonprofits is because there are just some problems that markets don't solve. And those are the kinds of problems that really deserve the best possible technology, like education, like yep. healthcare. While there may be for-profit competitors to some of the organizations with which we work, uh, these organizations that we serve through our accelerator program and other services, they're really working at the margins. They're working with people in places that are untouched by for-profit models. And that's one of the reasons we love it. That's awesome. So when you talk about an accelerator, it could mean a couple of different things when you're at different levels of you know, starting a company or starting a nonprofit, or maybe you're, you know, in it, been in it a couple of years and maybe you're at that growth stage. Talk a little bit about the programs that Fast Forward has. What do they incorporate sort of within the accelerators as far as like, whether it's coursework or, or sure. meetings and agenda items, what do those look like in, in each of the accelerators? So our, we're most well known for the program we've been running for the last nine years, and that's a startup accelerator. So we take organizations that are at the very beginnings of their journeys. Like often they have a beta or even an alpha in the field. They just started mostly. We're often the first money in the door. And we give them a little bit of grant money and some training, access to tech, net, tech networks, and... Uh, <laughs> and introductions to follow-on funders to help them get their idea on its feet. And then like any seed stage investor in the for-profit space, mm-hmm. once you go through our accelerator program, you're with us for life. And our wow. impact metrics are tied to their impact metrics. So the kinds of things we're evaluated on are growth in lives impacted, growth in follow-on funding, success of business models and So we have a vested interest in making sure those organizations get on their feet. This year, we launched a new program called a Growth Accelerator. And really, the intention of the Growth Accelerator is to support organizations that are doing so, so well. Mm -hmm. They've hit product market fit. They're serving hundreds of thousands and sometimes millions of beneficiaries. They're having profound impact on the issues in which they are working. And if these were for-profit companies, this is when you'd see like Series A investors trying to beat down your door. Gotcha, gotcha. But for nonprofit organizations, there just isn't the same ecosystem of support. So that's what we're trying to build by elevating these organizations, sharing their stories, attracting a new set of donors who can give bigger gifts uh, to get them excited about making a dent in criminal justice, making a dent in climate change, making a real impact in education and healthcare. I kind of want to touch on both accelerators a little bit. First, for the startup one, are they 501c3 vetted? Like, Do they have that indication already or are they not even at that stage yet when they come within the program? Do you guys help them with that process of being getting to, to that stage or are they already at that when they enter the startup one? To be accepted into the program, they must have the intention of becoming a charity yep. wherever it is they work. So we have organizations now that come from all over the world. There are different processes in each country, as you can imagine. So we help them put the pieces in place so that you would be able to become a charity. Sometimes 
teams are already have their 501c3 status. Sure. Uh, that's becoming rarer and rarer, particularly uh, with backlogs at the IRS. So you don't have to <laughs> in the startup accelerator and we help you figure out how to do it well. So let's say, you know, once a you know startup enters the accelerator, like how many weeks is it? Is each week a particular topic? I guess how how would they how would they allocate like time and stuff? Like what's the actual work that needs to be done? Is it one-on-one phone calls? Is it actually like creating some type of deck? I guess what are a little bit of the, of the workflows inside the accelerator? If you, if you can mention them. Yeah. So the program happens over 14 weeks and our intention is to meet each team where they are. So we work on all the different elements that might be necessary to run a successful nonprofit. Everything from, How do you design impact metrics from day one before you've impacted any lives to how to set up a financial model that can scale with you as you grow? We spend a lot of time on storytelling and understanding how to talk to different audiences. Mm. One of the things that's tricky about being a tech nonprofit is you have one foot in the tech world and one foot in the social impact world. Yeah. And those worlds don't always play nice (laughs) or talk to each other in a way that makes sense. So we teach teams how to basically pivot the way you talk about yourself and your product for different audiences. The 14 weeks culminates in a demo day, actually three Mm. demo days. It's the same event, but it happens in New York, San Francisco, and virtually. And we bring, you know, over 200 plus donors to that event who can be the follow-on funders for these organizations once they've graduated. Amazing. So when they when they get accepted into the startup accelerator, they're already sort of going to get grant money from you guys. That's sort of the first, once we they're accepted, that, that's sort of going to happen. Gotcha. Yeah. But how many is in? is not what it used to be. It's really sure, intended sure. to help pay for the time of the founders that they participate in the program. And then over the course of the 14 weeks, we help you set up revenue models that include some philanthropy and some earned revenue to sustain yourselves after the accelerator. Yeah, that's that's great. I mean, even even that amount will will go such a long way because I mean, time is like the biggest thing that you need to allocate for. And it's so hard when you don't, you know, if you're bootstrapping or, you know, you have to find ways to, you know, to get three hours in and maybe after your day job or something like that, if you don't have that little bit of, of capital, just to make it, just to make it worth it and meaningful early on. So to me, totally. it's, to me, it's a huge deal to, to get that. How many, um, how many are in each cohort for the startup accelerator? About 10. It's varied over the years. And indeed, when we started the startup accelerator, it used to be in person mm-hmm. here in Silicon Valley. Uh, now we're mostly virtual. There are some events in person and Actually, tonight is our first accelerator of the year, our first event. And we have folks coming in from Nairobi, London. (laughs) We have folks coming in from all over the United States. Yeah, we're excited to be in community once again. And so for the growth accelerator, let's dive into that a little bit. What changes, I guess, curriculum-wise when that happens? Is that more about talking to getting follow-on funding? Is that talking about more like campaign you know, strategy is that talking about actual tools to use from a tech perspective to, you know, scale to the next level, right? Whether it's changing your tech stack in some sort of way, you know, maybe they have a MVP that's built in sort of a no-code environment and then, hey, maybe you need a transition to, you know, an actual sort of typical code environment for, for a certain scale in certain yeah. areas. I guess, what, did that, what does that growth accelerator look like? By the time they get to the growth accelerator, these teams 
have grown significantly, not just their product and impact, but also their teams. Mm -hmm. So the content uh, for this accelerator is more about how do you train the managers of managers? You know, in the startup accelerator, maybe you had one person working on your tech. By the growth accelerator, we have teams that have dozens of engineers. Uh, And they've gone from having, you know, one to two generalists to having folks that are specific uh, in their job function and their focus. So it takes a different type of management muscle to help those people thrive. And so we work not just with the founders and the growth accelerator, but their whole leadership suite from COOs to chiefs of staff to CTOs Mm -hmm. to give them the support they need to make sure that these institutions become lasting organizations that stand the test of time. Um, Is that usually the same amount of about 10 in a cohort? There are eight growth accelerator teams. Gotcha. One of the things that is unique about these eight teams is that all of them are poised for what we would call a philanthropic exit. Ooh, explain. All of them have some kind of earned revenue strategy and with a definite an, a definite amount of capital, they can tip into having their earned revenue cover all of their operation costs. Right. This is something that's possible in the tech nonprofit world that we haven't seen as much of in the brick and mortar nonprofit world, which is that they really lend themselves, these tech nonprofits, to earn revenue models. But figuring it out and making sure that you have customers that want to buy your good thing while the people who use your good thing might be doing it for free takes time and effort. So we help them with that. And luckily, we're in a position in which we're not the only people in tech thinking about it. There's like a new generation of philanthropists that are really interested in some of these models. Like one that comes to mind is uh, Tom and Teresa Preston Werner. Tom was one of the Git founder was one of the GitHub founders. They're really interested in the intersection of climate and equity. Mm-hmm. And they recently launched a fund called 128 Collective that is doubling down on organizations, including some tech nonprofits, that are having outsized impact. And they're giving, you know, flexible capital to do that. There's another example, uh, Mike Shrepford. He was the CTO of Meta. He recently launched a $100 million fund called Additional Ventures. Mm-hmm. And that they are deploying different types of capital to reduce the admissions of CO2 into the air. And water. And it's really interesting because they're giving to nonprofits, they're giving to policy shops, they're giving to for profits. It's uh, creative work and deploying tech mindset. So it's a really different way to also look at allocation of capital and venture a little bit that they're not just giving to for profit entities. You're saying they're kind of spreading some of those some of those dollars around to tech nonprofits. Yeah. I mean, honestly, to the credit of Lorraine Powell Jobs and the Emerson Collective. One of the trends we're seeing in the sector is when the money was made with tech, yeah. the philanthropy mm-hmm. also has a tech-centric focus. Yeah. And um, one of the fo- the tech-centric focus is being a little bit more flexible about how you deploy it, which for us is exciting. Amazing, amazing point because that is such a there's so much wealth that was created through you know that first generation or second generation of tech um, mm-hmm. that it's it now has the ability to sort of look at, like you said, some of these major problems where you know, for-profit, traditional for-profit models might not go into. This team in India, this part of the growth accelerator, they're called Rocket Learning. Mm-hmm. And I'm particularly excited about them in part because in the history of the United States and education, Head Start has been one of the most successful philanthropic experiments 
Head Start is the program which allows almost anyone to be able to go to preschool. And it's really changed our entire education system by all children having access to this incredible resource. We'll fast forward to two years ago, Rocket Learning wanted to apply that same thinking to children in India which there's like about 75 million youth that are underserved and not in preschool programs. And so they used tools that everyone had, which was WhatsApp, to allow parents to access really interesting information and training modules to help their kids become students. Uh, And now they've moved from a parent-based model to thinking more closely about daycare workers In India, they have nutrition centers, which have recently been rebranded to nutrition and education centers, where any child can go to get access to nutrition. And now, and increasingly with the support of Rocket Learning, education. Is Rocket Learning a nonprofit themselves? They are. They're one of the teams in our growth accelerator. Oh, great. So they are, even though they're in India, they still have a, a 501 sort of designation in the U.S.? They actually don't yet. We're still working on that. <laughs> two years old, but uh, fast forward acts as their fiscal sponsor. Nice. Does does I guess I've talked to a couple of people in Europe and in Canada. There, there's you know there's five hundred one equivalents, I guess, in some parts of the world. Yes. But do do places like India do they even have setups like that or, or other parts of the they world? They do. India has are... a charity status. Uh, you have to be in operation for a little while before yep. you can access it. And you know, even though Rocket Learning is impacting like a million kids every day, uh, yeah. they are not old enough to have charity status. Wow. So in the meantime, uh, we're their fiscal sponsor. Fast forward is and. You know, they're just keep on keeping on doing the good work. <laughs> uh, it's different in every country, though, how fast you can access charitable status. I want to talk a little bit about maybe the success so far. 139 million lives impacted, 519 million raised on follow-on funding. Like, this is very eye-opening numbers. I guess maybe take a step back and, and talk about the successes that the programs have had so far. Yeah, thank you. We're really proud of the numbers. And we're... Our numbers are attached to the organizations doing the work. Yeah. You know, we've had 79 organizations go through our startup accelerator, and they are the ones who achieved 130 million, excuse me, 139 million lives impacted. And what I love about that number is that they didn't start out that way. You know, yeah. when we look at an organization like Commonlit, which was a startup accelerator team and is now in the growth accelerator. Commonly was started by a woman called Michelle Brown. Michelle was a teacher in rural Mississippi, and she had a classroom with a bunch of kids and no books. Hmm. And so she built the thing that she wanted, which was a comprehensive curricula to teach kids how to read, no matter what level they showed up at in their classroom. And when we met Michelle... Commonwealth was like a button on a website and printable PDFs, right? Like actually she had gone to Pinterest in her earliest days as a teacher to download curricula and reading materials for her kids. And she was like, this this isn't enough. Today, Commonwealth is serving over 20 million students. It's a much bigger organization. They have a couple dozen, they have 50 plus people working there. They're have one common lit classroom in over 70% of US schools. And their North Star is that they can close the reading gap for the lowest income kids in the United States. And so that's what we're helping them do. We're helping them raise the money to close the reading gap because it turns out that access to great content 
that is delivered in a way that is responsive to kids where they are can make all the difference. And money shouldn't be a barrier to that. So that's what we're working on. Speaking of North Star, we'll kind of end here on a little bit of your North Star. Uh, When you look at, you know, the next, you know, three to five years, let's say, what does success look like for you and the team? You know what does it what does it look like from a goal oriented point of view? What, what do you want to what do you want to achieve within those next three to five years as an organization? We think about that all the time. The thing I know for sure about being an entrepreneur is that one of the things that makes you an entrepreneur is sort of comfort in the chaos and being okay building something that's never been seen before and waiting for sort of the magic to happen afterwards. For people who aren't entrepreneurs, it's really hard to build something you can't see. And so what I love about the next five years is that the best, most exciting ideas haven't necessarily been built yet. And so if you can create the ecosystem of support and models of organizations that with a little bit of money did things like close the reading gap, uh, I know we will have a generation of founders that are building the tools society desperately needs. And we actually just had an example, you know, um, Pinterest. Ben Silberman is one of the co-founders of Pinterest, very successful tech entrepreneur. During COVID, he built a tracking app that the technology was pretty cool. And he realized also during COVID that mental health was a real point of struggle for folks. And so recently he launched an app called How We Feel. It's a tech nonprofit. It's a beautiful app. If you have the chance to download it, you should. Giving folks insight, vocabulary, and content to help them address mental health on good days and bad. Hmm. And what's so exciting about it to me is that, you know, without visible, exciting models of tech nonprofits, there's a lot of reasons that could have been built as a for-profit and he chose not to. Yeah, He was a student of the open internet, the free and open internet coming up. And uh, I'm just excited that there will be more and more models of what you can do with a free and open internet going forward. The tech is a tool. Markets can't solve every problem. How can we apply the best tools to market failures? That's what I'm excited in seeing in the next five years. Yeah, the app is beautiful. I just took a look at it. How we feel. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Um, And honestly, like as a user, I find it really helpful. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to download it now. Yeah. Good days and bad and every kind of thing in between. How you feeling? How you doing? Last question, I promise. Yeah. When founders go to apply for the Startup Accelerator, what should they have prepared like when applying? You know, like, I, you know, obviously, they is the idea stage okay? Do they need to be a little bit more further along? Do they need to have, you know, like you said, beta or something in the marketplace where people are using I guess, how should they, how far along should they be before they apply? The thing about being a tech nonprofit is that it's hard to imagine what it could be if you can't play with it, right? If you're going to funders, you're going to press, like people want to play with the app, just like you did in downloading How We Feel, right? Like you want to look and see. And so we recommend that folks launch something. Now there's a ton of free tools that you can use now to help you do that without building anything. Lots of no-code models. Like we have organizations that run full products with thousands of people on it with a combination of like Notion and Canva, right? Like it doesn't have to be the most sophisticated tech to pull it off. Um, So you do need to have something. I would say if you don't have something yet, Fast Forward now has a lot of other products and services to help. 
we have a weekly email that goes out to a couple thousand people that has all of the funding, learning, and visibility opportunities for aspiring tech nonprofits. We have a pitch camp. If you're working on how do you talk about the thing that you want to build and attract your earliest donors and your earliest supporters, you got to practice. So we run these pitch camps that are open to any tech nonprofit. We also wrote a book called The Tech Nonprofit Playbook that is a how-to guide on how to start, launch, and scale a tech nonprofit. So all of these resources are here for you. Uh, they, we want to see better tech applied to our biggest problems. And so we hope somebody listening is just mulling on the next big idea. And if you are, you know, email me. I'm Shannon at ffwd.org. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much, Shannon. I'm really, really inspired by what you and the team are doing and building, you know, being there for the nonprofit community, the tech community, the founder community. I mean, I just think all these ways where, you know, there's help that people can get their idea off the ground or get to that next step, even with the with the growth accelerator, these options just, there just need to be, you know, more of them. And thank you for you and the team for making this available to, to people around the world. So best of luck for, for the next decade to come. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. 